Welcome to the Natural Contemplative with John Crockett. Today, Natural Meditation Part 3, The Nature of Thought. I would like to share a few thoughts with you about thought. Because in any meditation practice, thought is often seen as the enemy. It is what every meditator spends most of her time trying to silence or trying to understand. And it is true that our habitual thought patterns greatly interfere with our direct engagement with life. If you've never paid any attention to your own thoughts, take a moment to do so now. Just turn your attention to the stream of thought currently going through your mind. This is something you can do anytime, anywhere. Just turn your attention to the stream of thoughts and see what is happening there. Thought comes in many varieties. One of the most common is simply commentary on what has just happened, making up a story about what we would like to have happened, or reacting to things that have just happened. A huge amount of our thought is caught up in reacting negatively, disliking someone or some situation, complaining, judging others, judging ourselves. Start watching and you will see this. Natural meditation is not an attempt to get rid of these thoughts. It is nothing more than being aware of them, just seeing that this is what is happening. At a fundamental level, thought functions to relate new experiences to what the brain already knows what is already stored in memory. When we are very young and have not built up a big store of remembered experiences, our encounter with the world is fresh. And most people recall their early childhood as a time of great energy. And when you see young children, they are full of energy and everything is new for them. But as we live and we accumulate experiences, we can become a bit dull. When we have new encounters with the world, the brain immediately relates the new encounter to what it already knows. And very often, once it has put the new experience into what it considers to be the right box, it stops paying attention 
and the freshness of the new encounter is lost. See if you can see this in operation. New experience. The brain relates that experience to an old one that it remembers, and it stops paying attention. A fairly trivial example might be if you hear a cricket singing in the yard and immediately you think, hey, that sounds just like a phone ringing. And then you are off thinking about your most recent phone conversation and the cricket is forgotten, having never been really heard. Or when you walk out the door, you've seen what is there a hundred times before You think you know it. How much attention do you pay to what is outside your door? The brain just doesn't pay a lot of attention to what it thinks it knows. This helps it, in a way, to function in the world without having to pay attention to everything it encounters. But it also removes the element of play which is how very young children encounter the world that they don't know yet. They encounter it bodily, physically. They dive into the unknown and get to know it viscerally with the whole body. Later in life, we relate to the world much more through our storehouse of past experiences. And a great deal of misunderstanding comes from this. We don't really listen or look or pay attention because we think we have it all figured out. That is the first problem with thought. We think we have the world all figured out. So we stop playing and we stop paying attention. We stop truly engaging with the world. Instead, we're only engaged with our own thoughts. The second problem with thought has to do with how our thoughts tell a story about what is happening. We have an experience, a series of experiences, and the brain interprets those experiences, invents a story. It connects those experiences in a way that gets them to make sense together, again, in the context of what it already knows. So it takes the new experience, it relates it to what it already knows, and it concocts a story that makes them all make sense together. This also helps us to move through the world to some extent, But that story is not the thing it is telling the story about. My story about you isn't you. My story about myself isn't really me. The stories we tell ourselves about what is happening can't capture the truth, the living truth. And yet we think of these stories as true and we build an identity, a self, out of that story. We interpret our experiences based on past experience 
and these ways of interpreting the world become habitual. As we encounter new situations, if they are similar to the old situations that we have already encountered, our way of responding to the new will repeat itself based on our past experience. And through that repetition, a certain way of responding to the world becomes very familiar. And a new layer of thought develops in relation to those familiar patterns of behavior. They are labeled as me. This describes me. This defines me. This is me. Almost everybody identifies who they are based on their personality, based on their habitual response to the world. So here we have another layer of disconnection from reality. There's the first layer where I'm not looking at what is going on because I think I already know it. Then there is another layer. I have these habitual ways of responding, these thoughts and opinions, these likes and dislikes and beliefs about the world. And I identify those as me, as defining who I am essentially. So I cling to them at the expense of the living truth. This is so common as to be considered normal and harmless, even necessary. But what happens if my story, if what I believe about myself, is challenged? What if you don't like what I like? Or you don't believe what I believe? Then I feel challenged. I experience that as a threat to me, not to some idea I'm toying with, but to me. I feel it as an attack on me if you don't like what I like, if you don't believe what I believe, if you don't respond the way I respond. So all we have to do is disagree and we're in conflict because you think you're defined by your beliefs and I think I'm defined by my beliefs. So you are a threat to me. Your nation is a threat to my nation. Your religion is a threat to my religion. Your way of life is a threat to my way of life, to me, because I identify these things with my essential self. And that is a grave error. You are not any of these things. This is what you believe you are, but it is not what you are. This is where thought leads us into conflict. Thought feeds on itself and creates almost a parallel universe in which its truths are the only truths. And this leads us into radical alienation from the living truth. 
we close our eyes and we close our ears, we stop looking and stop listening and stop paying attention to others, to our own thoughts and feelings, to the whole movement of life. Thought creates a system of filters and beliefs and opinions which create a so-called identity. And all of this gets between us and the world. All of this creates a false sense of separation, of me as distinct from you, as distinct from the rest of the world, a false sense of separation. So in spiritual practice, thought tends to be seen as the enemy, as the thing to be overcome. And that is why some meditative practices seek to set thought aside to create a gap. What natural meditation does, instead of making thought the enemy, it gets to know thought. It closes the gap. It welcomes whatever is without judgment. And in the process, it realizes that which is already free of thought, that which is free of judgment, and therefore does not need to get free of it. Freedom To be truly free cannot be dependent on anything. If it is dependent on anything, on any change, on some future thing achieved, or on some current thing dismissed, how can it be free? True freedom is not dependent on getting anything, nor on getting rid of anything. It is not dependent on any condition, not on life, not on death, nor thought, nor absence of thought, not on any state of mind, not even on achieving silence. And what is that? What is it that is already free? Not only free from, but free to be everything that is. What is that? Free from the very beginning. That is the living truth. That is what we are. That is our silent companion here all the time, in you, around you, living through you, right now. Mm-hmm.